Welcome to Paving the Path. I'm your host, Shiva Mirosaini. People know me as a customer experience champion and a digital executive at Fortune 50 companies. I plan on paving the path in my show with women game changers, thought leaders, and executives touching the entire spectrum of digital transformation in healthcare. Join me in exploring the digital renaissance that's shaping healthcare today and forever, changing the future of wellness, care, and health. Welcome to another episode of Paving the Path. Today, my guest is Dr. Jennifer Schneider, co-founder and CEO of Homeward, a company focused on re-architecting the delivery of health and care in partnership with communities everywhere, starting in rural America. Having grown up in a small town and being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at a young age, she experienced firsthand the challenges of accessing convenient care that millions of families across rural America deal with every day. This fueled her passion to found Homeward and create novel value-based care models that are purpose-built to address the needs of rural Americans. Previously, Dr. Schneider served as the chief medical officer and president of Livongo. While there, she led the company through the largest consumer digital health initial public offering in history and the industry's largest merger ever between Livongo and Teladoc Health, valuing Livongo at $18.5 billion. She also served as the chief medical officer of Castlake Health. Dr. Schneider has been honored by modern healthcare as one of the 100 most influential people in healthcare, and by Fierce Healthcare as the woman of influence for her work empowering women and modeling diversity and inclusion in the workforce. Dr. Schneider is also on the board of CityBlock, Maven, and Jasper. Dr. Schneider, on behalf of all of our listeners, myself and the team, it's an absolute honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much for making time for us. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. Thank you. Well, let's uh, get to it. Can you share a little bit about your background and how you got to health care in general and in these leadership roles? Sure. So my background is I was born into a large family in the Midwest. Um, I was diagnosed when I was 12 years old with type 1 diabetes. No one in my family was in healthcare at that time, um, but that really spurred my own interest. And so I decided to go to medical school and became an internal medicine doc. I went to Johns Hopkins for uh, medical school, and then I uh, transitioned, uh, did my residency at Stanford, and it was when I was at Stanford that I got to meet and hear a lot of different cross-pollination ideas. And so one of the things that really struck me early on was, how can we make a big difference at scale, um, and how do we do that within the walls of healthcare, the existing healthcare system, and beyond? So I was fortunate to have many opportunities and get to work with incredible leaders and uh, learn beside them on this on my journey. That's amazing. And you have led two digital health companies in Livongo and Homeward that address challenges that you have personally experienced, as you mentioned, in your life. What is the impact of a mission-driven healthcare organization? When you find what it is you're passionate about, if you pursue your passion, you're going to accomplish incredible things. And that's especially true in healthcare, where there are so many areas 
up and ripe for improvement and really the ability to go in there and identify with what it is individually that excites each of us will really allow us to pursue that with the extra passion that it takes, particularly when you're founding something new. So with that said, and and given Homeward's mission, can you kind of give us the layperson's explanation of what the company does and why is it different? Sure, absolutely. So Homeward, I was able to found Homeward with my co-founder and business partner, Amara Kendale. And the mission of Homeward is to re-architect the delivery of healthcare in rural America. And what that means is, you know, we took a look around us and said, what is really broken in the healthcare ecosystem that needs some fixing? And we settled in rural markets, which with, with a surprising statistic, which is that if you live in a zip code that's designated as rural, your mortality is 23% higher than if you live in an urban area. And so we asked ourselves the question, can we change this? Is there something that we know or we could do that's uniquely different to change the outcome here? And we really settled on uh, the, the company of Homeward with two key concepts. One is we need to build on a very foundational technology stack so that we could scale services to meet demands because service providers, the lack of service providers is pervasive in rural America. And that's a big reason as to why the mortality is so high. Mm -hmm. And the second was in order to deliver these novel types of care, we really needed to make ourselves financially accountable for the whole care of the individual person, something called total global capitation or value-based care so that we could deliver the in-home services the remote patient monitoring, the telehealth services, and frankly, the optimal combination to each individual to help them achieve their their most healthy, successful state that they could get to. That's incredible. Can you kind of walk us through, perhaps given the complexity of healthcare in general, and then bringing care to rural areas with the tech stack, with a more modern approach. What are some of the more surprising nuances that you have come to learn in your journey right now? And when it comes to kind of bringing that, for lack of a better word, better experience, especially to rural Americans, what do you think we can reasonably expect. Healthcare is ultimately a game about trust and personal interactions. So that means we have to build things that people want to use in a way that they want to use it by listening to what they're telling us. And I think that 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 fundamental principle underscores any successful component in healthcare writ large. Technology, the advent of the technology advances that we've made over the last few decades what that has done is really allow us to get faster at our understanding and our learning of what people want and be able to iterate on what we therefore deliver to them. Uh, the words that we use, the messages that resonate with what their personal goals are relative to their health. And so I think that this ability to leverage and use the technology components is the key answer. So let me give you an example. So at Homeward, you know, we start with our members with a home visit. We go into their homes, we visit with the member, we establish health goals. But by being in somebody's house, it really allows us to have a personal connection and build trust in a way that then allows us to deploy telehealth, remote patient monitoring that people use ongoing in a regular basis because we've already established ourselves as a trusted entity with alignment of goals for the individual and for what we're trying to accomplish. Wow, I did not know that. That's pretty profound to have that kind of in-person intake 
and have a kind of a 360 view of the patient essentially, right? Because as you mentioned, those kind of social determinants of health or kind of your zip code, there are a lot of non-clinical issues around our health that can drive our behavior and our actions. And a lot of that can be picked up as you actually interact with the patients. And so I think that really paves the path for a very different experience for those consumers that engage with homework. I want to switch to the women in leadership, but before I do that, just to build on what you mentioned with respect to building trust and kind of what is called the trust economy, more generally speaking, and now bringing that really to to healthcare, what kind of progress do you think we can realistically expect in healthcare, given the fast change in technology in the next couple of years? I would start in an area where if you take a look at what we have highly, highly trained physicians do on a regular basis, about a third of their time is chart entry, very, very clerical scribing components to it. And yet we ask somebody to go to college for four years, to go to medical school for four years, and then do a residency, the shortest of which is three years, right? And then they come out and we ask them to type in a bunch of forms and fill out letters. And so the reason I start there is that there is a whole world in which we can make the medical care ecosystem more efficient. What that does is it allows our shortage of providers to really do the things that we're training them for, the thinking, the complex diagnoses, right? And takes away a lot of the lower level tasks. So I think that there is a huge advancement in technology for efficiency gain in kind of like the back end of the office, if you will. But even more exciting to me is, you know, as you're looking at and we're look at the cusp of looking at a number of large language models and AI enter into healthcare, is this ability to actually make healthcare more affordable. So an example is, you know, if it's true that somebody with depression benefits from talking with another human being every day, let's say let's state that as a truth. We don't have to argue as to whether or not that is true. But if that's true, and we know that, but we say, you know what, it's really expensive to have a individual patient talk to a therapist for an hour every day. And by the way, there's not enough therapists to be able to do that, to scale that. What if you could change that model and you could have a check-in or a call or something that's more automated so that the cost of the interaction and exchange of data decreases and drops to, you know, 10 cents an hour, for example? Does that then, it then increases the ability to deliver healthcare and drive outcomes at scale and actually, you know, make optimal healthcare and optimal outcomes more affordable for everybody. And I think that is the promise of technology is that technology can be an absolute enabler for us as we cross the chasm in allowing health equity and better outcomes. I love that. I love how you structured it as technology, really bringing the best out of what the ecosystem, the healthcare system can offer and all those wonderful exchanges and personal touches that we currently are missing because we have a burnout problem in this country and not enough resources really to be dedicated to all sorts of different, not just diseases, chronic issues, but especially, as you mentioned, on the mental health side, which is becoming very quickly, uh, some people say, another pandemic or epidemic at least. So Jenny, given your leadership roles in 
some of the most sought after, after and highly successful technology-enabled healthcare companies. As a woman leader, as a prominent female figure, what is your advice to the new generation of women leaders that are coming to this space? I mean, you have been an amazing sounding board and advisor to companies like Maven, like CityBlock with Kate Ryder of Maven and Toyin of CityBlock. You're on the board of many, many companies. Throughout your career, Jenny, you have been committed to empowering fellow women leaders and launched a Women in Leadership program at Livongo that was resoundingly successful. Since that time, many of those women have gone on to take uh, prominent leadership roles across the digital health industry. What did your Women in Leadership program focus on? And why do you think that so many women from Livongo have gone on to have continued success? Great questions. Maybe I'll start with the first one. So uh, when we were at, when I was at Livongo, we were able and fortunate to have a board and a leadership team that backed my and a couple other people's interest in focusing on women leaders. Our women in leadership program really had two parts to it. One was external recognition and awards, and the other one was internal development and skill sets for the people that applied and were selected to be in the women in leadership. And those people that applied and were selected were at all various parts of their career journey within Livongo. But it was a commitment that they made to be, to attend a session once a month and sort of pay it forward, if you will. I think the success there was the combination of the commitment to help one another to become better and stronger leaders and to talk about real industry insights. We certainly talked about work-life balance, but a lot of what we talked about were very um, hardcore skill sets. How do you negotiate for a raise? How do you negotiate a higher salary? So the parts of, you know, the when you compare women and men and the disparity as to where they stand in leadership positions, a lot of that can be trained and taught and inculcated. So that was what we focused on when we were on the internal part of Levon- the women in leadership at Livongo. Why is it that so many people from Livongo have taken strong leadership positions? I would say, first and foremost, we were very fortunate to get incredible talent brought into Livongo. We were created a culture that really focused on supporting strength of diversity and really allowed people to bring their whole selves. And that includes includes being a woman. People with women, men um, have different needs or different uh, lifestyles. But beyond that, beyond gender, we did that as well. And so I think people coming out of Livongo had an experienced an incredible work environment and were with an investment for them to be able to accomplish what it, whatever it was that they wanted to accomplish. There is a lot of great nuggets there. One that really resonates with me is um, the power of sponsorship for women at different levels of their career. What traits do you do you see the most successful leaders that you have worked with have in common? I feel very fortunate to be able to work alongside Toyin and Kate and have learned a tremendous amount from both of them. And they are they stand alone in all they've accomplished by themselves. They have, they have done that with their teams and deserve all the credit. I recently shared this with someone else that those two in particular are some of the strongest founding uh, female CEOs that I've ever met. And they actually share a unique characteristic. They're very different personalities, but they share a unique characteristic. And that is this idea to radically listen, to put themselves in a position to 
even when they're the smartest person on a topic, they're not expounding. They're actually asking questions to gather more information. And the insights that they glean and the power that the power as to how they use that in how they lead is really remarkable. And so when I look around male and female leaders, the people that are curious and who are listened by asking questions that they want to have answered, they really are curiously want to hear the answer are the leaders that I find to be the most effective. Thanks for that. That's super helpful. And I think all of us can practice that at least. You know, we may not be born with that inquisitiveness, but we can certainly practice. One astonishing statistic is that despite the fact that women make 80% of healthcare decisions, they only make up 13% of CEOs and 30% of C-suite teams. When speaking with other leaders across healthcare, how do you advocate for improved gender diversity amongst leadership teams, especially? I think it starts with recognition around the people that you're servicing, right? So again, we talk about this a lot. It's really hard to understand the people for whom you're building a service if you don't have that voice at the table. That voice at the table really matters. Um, but I think it's more than just hitting, you know, like signing up for a quota and kind of hitting the percent of people there. More important than that is the ability to have the power of the voice. So are women um, allowed at the table? And when they're at the table, does their voice reverberate as strongly as men? And I think that there is a growing understanding particularly in healthcare because of the statistics that you just quoted, that you won't be successful unless you have those voices at the table helping you and your company make decisions. So part of that, if I'm hearing this correctly, is the individuals, the leaders leaning in, but also, you know, it, it takes two to tango. There has to be a receiving hand on the other end, which goes back to that power of sponsorship. Did I catch that correctly? That's right. I think... Mentorship and sponsorship go a long way for any minority that's not represented to to equal components. And that's particularly true for women. Absolutely. We covered quite a bit with respect to kind of some of the underlying shifts in the industry, what Homeward is doing in rural Americas, and also some of the uh, headwinds when it comes to diversity inclusion and your advice. Jenny, where would you say you're excited about in the next kind of six to 12 months with respect to homeward and probably more broadly with respect to healthcare in general? First and foremost, I am so happy with the team that we've been able to assemble at homeward, both culturally and talent wise. I am very honored to be partnered with our two partners, um, Priority Health and Blue Cross Blue Shield of Minnesota. And between the team and our partnership, we will be focused on delivering excellent care to everybody we can touch in rural Michigan and rural Minnesota. So for the next six to 12 months, that's what, that's absolutely what we'll be, um, but we'll be heads down and focusing on. That's fabulous. I'm sure we'll be hearing great, great uh, news and many more milestones from the team. Is there any advice or thoughts that you want to leave with our audience with respect to some of the trends that you're seeing in general and or just more broadly around um, healthcare and what to look out for? I think we're at a crossroads now in healthcare where technology and technology-enabled services will allow and and will continue to fast-forward us in our ability to make a dent in health equity. 
the goal of technology has always been how can we reach more people at a lower cost and improve health outcomes across the entire population, not just the worried well or the slightly sick wealthy people. Um, and I think we're at a, a crossroads both from a scale of technology and from an interest in the population that we are truly going to make a difference in health equity in the next in the next short time period. And it's an exciting time to be in healthcare, particularly when you care about delivering high quality healthcare to as many people as possible. I love that sound of optimism, Jenny, and I share that wholeheartedly with you. And I know our listeners do as well. Speaking of our listeners, if they want to follow you, find you, follow your thought leadership, where would you direct them? So I would go to homewardhealth.com and go to our website and follow Homeward Health on LinkedIn and Twitter or follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. I really enjoyed this conversation, learned a great deal and I'll be, I've already been following homework, but um, yeah, I'll be following your thought leadership uh, even more closely. And those female leaders that you mentioned earlier, it's been a fabulous conversation, Jenny. Thank you so much again. And thank you so much to our listeners for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for the time and the opportunity to have a discussion. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Tell your colleagues to tune in for all the awesomeness, then leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. And remember, we might have a lot of work to do in healthcare, but we'll get there faster together. Thanks again.